I'm actually feeling pretty undone from that worship time. Um, thank you, team. That was beautiful. Um, how are you all? You all good? Are you? So good. That's such the phrase. So good. So um, I want to carry on uh, from Matt. Is everyone, who was here two weeks ago uh, listening to Matt? Yep. <laughs> Matt's waving. <laughs> good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you were here. You were here talking about difficult people, aka you and I. Uh, <laughs> and so um, I want to tie that into our kingdom series. Obviously, we went on this long kingdom series, and I want to talk to you this morning about a kingdom of love. And uh, that's why I asked Sophie to worship lead, right? Some of, some of you got it. Love, right? No, last name? Okay, Sorry. Ah, oh, you're slow this morning, team. Come on. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> so um, one thing that really stuck with me about the Soul Talk series that we've been on is that uh, Jesus came to set us free, right? Who would agree? Jesus came to set us free. So we looked at how he gives us freedom to trust. Uh, we looked at how he gives us freedom to forgive one another, to forgive ourselves, forgive God. Uh, he looked at, um, we looked at how he set us free to be assertive. Right? Some of us have been practicing that over the last couple of weeks, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> uh, he also set us free to love. And, um, and it's a beautiful thing that he didn't leave us as we were. You know, like he didn't leave us in our bondage. <laughs> he actually really came to make us whole again. And so I want to go after that this morning, that the, the brokenness, the, the fragmented and damaged parts of our lives, just because of life, that the Spirit of God uh, is journeying with us towards wholeness, um, towards us becoming whole. And the thing is that He loves you so much that He won't let you circumvent that journey, right? And there's, there's the whole bunch of illustrations in Scripture uh, where people walk around and around in a circle um, in the wilderness for a long time. And I mean, yeah, that's been done before. Go for it. You can do that if you want. Um, <clears throat> but he'll, he'll ultimately just lead you back to the place where he wants to meet with you. And it, so if you feel stuck this morning, um, if, if, that's, if that's where you're feeling, uh, if you're feeling a bit like a bit hemmed in, a bit locked in, then maybe, just maybe, it's Him. Maybe it's God. Maybe that it is Him that wants to give you freedom. Maybe it's Him that wants to bring some release in your life. Maybe it's Him that wants to break off some bondage that has been holding you back. Uh, he, he ultimately wants to see you soar. So uh, what would it look like um, to see freedom in every part of your heart? Like, to see your, uh, yourself dream again. You know, what would it look like for you to love without hesitation? Um, without the restriction of fear, without uh, the expectation of being hurt again. Yeah? I mean, our, our current society's, hey, Tina, uh, expression of how to do love is actually um, more like an acceptance of hopelessness. Like, it, like, it's, it, we, we look at ourselves and we go, I can't change. You know, like I'm stuck. Uh, I've just accepted my lot. Um, this is how life is. And, 
and what my heart longs for, which is ultimately uh, belonging, acceptance, unconditional love, ecstasy even, um, doesn't exist. Not for me anyway. And therefore, I'm just going to keep groping around in the dark, clinging to whatever, uh, I don't know, whatever counterfeit uh, that I can find, whatever, whatever thing that achieves me just like a remnant of what I actually desire. And so we comfort ourselves. We comfort ourselves um, in that hopelessness with the flesh, with the world, um, anything, often anything but the comforter. This sounds really heavy, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about love. <laughs> you see, um, if you don't change who you look at, uh, you won't change who you'll be. So it's about us taking our eyes uh, off ourselves. You know, the Bible says that the eye is the lamp unto the soul. You know, what is your perspective? God, expose what's in my eye. Expose what I'm seeing. See, we're, we're called, we are called to behold Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of God. He is the, he's the direct manifestation of the Father. He, he represents God on earth. He showed us God. And so we are called to have his eyes. We are called to see the Father as he did. We are called to see people like he does. We are called to uh, be loved by him, obviously, but also to love as he did. To look into the Father's eyes as if you and I, as if I was his only son. That's how I look at him. I look into his eyes as if I am the son. Because we're seated in Jesus. And you become what you behold. You become what you behold. And that's true in the Christian life. I want to read you a scripture from John 15. Is that up there? Cool. Uh, here we go. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. But this is, uh, by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to me, uh, sorry, and so prove to be my disciples. And the, the, as the Father has loved me, this is Jesus, as the Father has loved the Son, so He loves you. So He loves you and I. So abide in Jesus' love. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What an awesome scripture. I'd like to read that a bunch of times, but I can't. <laughs> I'd suggest you'd go home and read it a bunch of times. But I just want to read uh, the last couple of verses, 9 to 11, from the Passion. and Because I, I just it speaks in a different language, right? So hear this, verse 9. 
I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Are you kidding me? That's ridiculous. Uh, You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command. For I continually live nourished and empowered by His love. Imagine living continually, continually loved by Him, feeling Him, knowing Him, being nourished, empowered by His love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that joy, the joy that I experience, the joy that Jesus has will overflow in our hearts and overflow with gladness. That's just a phenomenal scripture. And in here, like you can kind of see that the goal is not just going to heaven and blessing and protection and, and prosperity or provision, but actually the goal is to be love. To abide in his love, right? To be transformed by love. Become love. Become love. And you can't, uh, you can't actually do the Christian life. Um, in fact, you can't be a Christian even for yourself. That sounds pretty heavy. But it's not about just filling our vats and our barns personally with bounty. I was going to say booty. Either. Uh, because for those people um, that that's not working out for, and, and there's many, um, because they're focusing on this, this genie who's not uh, granting their wishes currently, um, and, and there's so many in our world that are falling into kind of disillusionment because they're unable to reconcile this uh, version of the gospel that they've accepted with their life, with what they're having seen walk out in front of them. So actually, I'm, I'm a Christian, and I don't get to avoid suffering. I, I don't get to avoid persecution. I don't get to avoid trial, necessarily. But I am a Christian to become the person that he sacrificed himself for. That's why I'm a Christian. It's not all about me. <laughs> I'm a Christian to become the person that he intended from the outset. Like his original creative intent when he made you and I, when he knitted you and I together in our mother's wombs, this is what he thought of. This is who he envisioned. That is who we're becoming. And to do that, we actually become what he looks like. We actually become the one worthy of his sacrifice. See, the only one actually that was worthy of his sacrifice was himself. Yeah? Because he's holy and acceptable. And yet, by his grace, we get to enter in. By his grace, uh, we get to enter in. We get to be accepted. And anything less than living for that is actually unacceptable. (laughs) You know? Um, Now, like, hear me right. We were still sinners when he loved us. You know? Um, Christ died for us even in our sin. Christ died for us in our utterly depraved state. Um, God still loves you. That doesn't change. That doesn't change. Uh, he won't love you anymore. If you change more, he, uh, he sees you right the way through. He sees you as you are regardless. Okay? 
This is not about performance. This is about a divine exchange. This is about all of you for all of who he is. This is, uh, this is have you seen old couples who grow, who, uh, who was it that's 50 years married? Yeah, Paul and Nikki. Um, so older, and this is not necessarily about you now, but <laughs> congratulations, this is awesome. Uh, but you, have you noticed that as people live together for 50 years married, that they homogenize? You know, like they start to look and smell and act a little bit similar to one another, right? Um, I want to say that the more that you're with him, the more that you smell like him. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you choose your marriage pastor, your, your, marriage, your marriage partner, your wife, your husband carefully, eh? Ask the Lord. You end up smelling like him. You end up sounding like him. You end up feeling like him. You end up looking like him. You know, like actually your entire, count, uh, your entire countenance changes. I'm talking about the presence of God, right? <laughs> so this is actually all about intimacy. The person I'm closest with rubs off on me and I become more like them. So the priority of the cross is actually now not just you going to heaven. It's actually about our personal transformation. Yeah. Eternal life with him begins now. It begins now. That's what you're here for now. Actually, to choose to, choose to grow in love. You can choose not to. Um, you may regret that choice later on in life, but I've, I've seen put, people put that choice off for a long time to choose not to grow, to mature, to grow in love. But I would like to suggest this morning that um, there's no other life worth living, really. <laughs> like, this is where fulfillment and contentment and beauty comes from. This is, this is actually the desire of your heart. This is actually everything you've ever wanted right there. <laughs> um, yeah. You see, only, only on this side of eternity is love a sacrifice. You know, Jesus entered into our time and space place, and it was a sacrifice for him to love. You know, for you and I, it's a sacrifice for us to love now. Then, in heaven, it won't be. It'd be easy. <laughs> no difficult people, eh, Matt? <laughs> um, but... You know, and I, 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 when, I, when I was preparing this, I was kind of just thinking, you know what, there's, there's going to be people here and online who are like, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You know, you don't know how they hurt me. You don't, you don't know the trauma that I've been through. Um, you, you haven't been, you haven't seen the abuse. You haven't seen, you haven't noticed the wounds that I carry, to, carry around now that I'm barely just able to keep coping. Like I've got these things that prop me up. It's the only reason I can carry on. I just can't love again. You know, and if you heard Jesus talking like that, then you might have an excuse. Yeah, well, that sounds really harsh. If you heard <laughs> Jesus talking like that, you, you would have an excuse, but you haven't. You never see that in Scripture. You never see Jesus. See, he was spat at, he was mocked, he was ridiculed. 
You know, there was, no, there was never anybody who spoke more truth than Jesus, and yet they killed him for the truth that he spoke. You know, he walked around speaking truth to people for years, right? And they killed him for it because they couldn't recognize the truth. Can you imagine with me for just a minute? Okay, Jesus is sitting down at Joseph's well, right? And uh, the Samaritan woman comes along, and he's like, yeah, you know what, actually, it's just really hot today. It's like, it's noon. The sun is right up there. I'm super hungry. The boys went to BP to get a pizza or a pie, probably a pie, uh, ages ago. And, and you know what? I'm just sick of saying it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I'm good. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Life's good. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? How's everyone doing? Good. Right. You know what? Uh, the truth is you've had more husbands than I can count. Seriously, just sort your crap out. Uh, the truth is that, um, you know, I mean, you should really take a moment to walk in my shoes. I'm just over it. You know, I'm tired of having to clean up everybody else's mess. Peter, hurry up, man. Just come and lay hands on me. <laughs> just give me an impartation. Give me a word. Uh, something. You know, I'm dealing with difficult people all day long. Um, I just can't win with you guys. You're seriously so unlovely. John, no. <laughs> Give me, a, it's my turn to rest my head on your chest. You know, <laughs> give me a chance. Right, so you never hear, you never hear, that's not Jesus, right? <laughs> he didn't talk that way. <laughs> he didn't, he never taught us that. It's not in the Bible. But where do we learn it? Like, because I hear that a lot. <laughs> hear that from myself. Like, where do we learn that? Where do we learn that? You know what I mean? Ultimately, God wants you to take on his nature. Uh, on earth as it is in heaven. I was going to say happy birthday for tomorrow. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> On earth as it is in heaven. So we, we, I mean, we talk so much about the power of God. We talk about the power of God. We talk about, um, like, I want to see, I want to see what it looks like for for heaven to come to earth right now. You know, the now but not yet. But like, actually, what does it see for the Spirit of God to break into our world and unleash His power? Do you want to see that? And we talk about that a lot. You know, where there's no cancer in heaven, and so what does that look like when there's no cancer on earth? You know, where there's no lack in heaven, there's no lack. Uh, we, we all have flourishing relationships. Finance is not an issue, you know, and we want to see that on earth. I love that stuff, you know. I, like, I yearn to see more of that stuff. I, I, want to, I crave the supernatural. I want to see more signs and wonders and, and miracles. Um, you know, I want to be able to walk in revival fire, and that's just the norm for the church where God manifests himself everywhere through his sons and his daughters through all of us. Um, but where does that power come from? And who does he entrust it to? I don't often hear us say, uh, what does the character of heaven look like? I want that on earth. You know? It's all about from his presence. So uh, it's from intimacy with the Father. You know, from, from being with him, we become more like him. So what if we asked, God, what does your character look like in heaven? I want that on earth. What is, you know, in heaven, there is no animosity. 
In heaven, there's no jealousy. In heaven, there's no self, selfish motives. Um, there's no complaining even. You know, there's no lustful hearts. What does it look like to live from heaven to earth, to love from heaven to earth? What is his character and nature? You know, there's no pride in heaven. Like, there is actually no selfishness. There's no wrong desires whatsoever. <laughs> Do you know, um, what would it look like for us to stop, uh, stop listening to our own feelings? Sorry, sorry, Samuel. <laughs> They're not truth. You know, my feelings don't tell me how to love someone. Um, that, that's not necessarily heaven to earth. You know, God get, didn't, <laughs> how do I say this? We grew up with a bunch of emotions and God didn't necessarily put them there. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, emotions are a gift. Yes, they're a blessing. They're creative. They're fun. They make life vibrant. But often our emotions are twisted out of shape. You know, because of the fall, because of people not choosing love. And love was never meant to look that way. Love looks like Jesus. Have a look at this, um, this scripture from Philippians 2. <clears throat> Here we go. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Are you kidding me? <laughs> In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing, nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that... At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Come on. Love that. <laughs> that verse 7 there, do you want to flick back to that if that's possible? That verse 7 there is where this theological term kenosis comes from. Essentially, it means that Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, you know, being born in the likeness of man. And, um, you know, that, that word emptied doesn't necessarily specify what he emptied himself of, and scholars differ on their interpretations. But um, whatever the emptying entailed, Jesus remained fully God, right? That we know to be true. Jesus remained God. And yet in the incarnation, there's this kenosis that happens, and it's the act of Jesus taking on human nature, you know, with all its limitations, you know, except he didn't sin. <laughs> he was a human man with all the limitations of humanity, and yet there was no sin in his life. 
And if we think about Jesus as emptying himself as if he laid aside the privileges that were his in the heavenly realm, right? In the heavenly realm, he had all these privileges and he laid them aside. And rather than remain on his throne with the Father, Jesus made himself nothing, veiling his glory, and he chose to occupy the position of a slave. Heaven on earth in a human being. You know, this is the ultimate act of love. Like, this is the ultimate, this is what love looks like. This is self-renunciation, you know? This is not uh, an emptying of himself of deity, but a voluntary refraining. He was refraining from using his divinity to make it easier. Like, man, he could have had a sweet gig on earth, right? He could have lived for himself. He could have set himself up. You know, every knee bowing right then and there just by exposing his power. But he didn't because, if you will, he died to himself. You know, during his earthly ministry, Jesus completely submitted himself to the will of the Father. And that law of love is how he lived his life. See, never once do you hear Jesus demanding his own rights. Yeah, you're going, ooh, because we hear a lot of it right now. <laughs> but never once did Jesus demand his own rights. You know, instead, he actually voluntarily submitted himself. In fact, he went like a lamb to the slaughter, is what he says of himself. Yeah, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. This is the ultimate act of humility. The God of creation, the God of creation became part of creation, and then he died for those he created. And you know what? This is our new nature. This is actually the nature that we've taken on, this selfless love. Sorry. Selfless love. You know, it sounds like we ought to put off the old and put on the new. It sounds like it's more of a position we take. Sorry, it's, it's, uh, it's more than just a position we take. You know, we talk about us seated in heavenly places. It's more than just positionally. It's actually becoming my condition. Can I have the band come on? Thanks, team. You know, like, it, it is who I am. Heaven is taking up residency in you. We're learning to die to the old self, you know, like we've put to death the old self, but we actually have to pick up the new self, which is Christ. His nature is in you. His nature becomes you. So your old nature is dead. Your old nature, your old way of doing things, your old way of uh, living for yourself is actually dead. Stop relating to your old nature. The Bible would say stop necromancing. Stop talking to the dead. Stop conjuring up your old self, it's dead, and start living from Christ in you. Uh, see, in, in Scripture, there's a couple of Greek words that talk about our maturity. And do you know that 
the defining difference between an immature man or woman, an immature man, Neoniskos, and a mature son, Huios, the defining difference in Scripture is that the Neoniskos keeps the law but lacks the spirit of love. Whereas the Huios, which is Jesus, the mature son, is led by the Holy Spirit to even love his enemies, to even pray for those who persecute him. And actually for us, in order for us to begin this process of sonship, of maturity, you know, growing into maturity, we have to be rooted and grounded in love. You know, love must be the foundation. It's what we're being built into. I'm going to read one last scripture. Sorry, Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. (laughs) That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes our knowledge and our understanding that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. That we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Don't stand with me. You know, uh, ordinary people who encounter an extraordinary God are transformed by Him. Because you can't, you cannot meet perfect love and be the same again. You can't, you can't um, necessarily comprehend love without having had a personal revelation of the unconditional love of God. It's found in His grace. It's a free gift. That He loves us because He loves us. Because He loves us. Just because He loves us. Just because that's who He is. That's who He is. And to love like this, for us to learn to love like this, you have to become love. We become love through surrender. Surrender.